0: and a very warm welcome to morning worship at Hill Head, especially members of our family and friends joining us from all around the country and across the world. And I see this morning uh, that the Reverend Stephen McGarver from Wigton has joined us. Stephen, you're very welcome. It's lovely to see you again. Our service this morning will be led by our Minister Katrina, but during the service, we'll also hear the voices of Elaine and Graham, Stuart, Perio and Graham L, Jenny, Antoinette, Elizabeth, Brian, Marit and Rachel. Our musician this morning is Paul. In a moment or two, Freya and Sarah will light our candle and that's our cue to light our own candle if we'd like to do that where we are. And just a wee reminder, there is no evening service this evening. Just one piece of family news. Um, Please remember uh, Ian and Mary. Uh, Ian has spent a couple of days in hospital having tests this week. Uh, So Mary, please give Ian our love and uh, we hope to hear continued good news of him. And then just a wee reminder, too, that Katrina invited us to send her details of music that inspires us. Um, The deadline for your suggestions is Wednesday, the 18th of August. Um, And so just keep that at the back of your mind. Next Sunday will be a special service for Back to School. Uh, So we're looking forward to sharing in that service together as our young people and our teachers go back to school. Now over to Freya and Sarah uh, to light our candle.
1: As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is a light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this
2: day. Oh,
3: come to God in prayer this morning, let's first take a moment or two to become more consciously aware of where it is that we are. Let's notice the feet, feeling of our feet on the ground or of our bodies on a chair or a settee. Let's feel the quality of the light. Noticing if there are shadows or shafts of sunlight. Let's listen to the sounds that surround us. Perhaps a clock ticking, the traffic outside, the creak of furniture. Let's recognize what this place is for us, whether it's temporary or permanent, whether we are home or away, whether this is somewhere familiar or somewhere strange. God of all places. We praise you for the gift of these places where each of us is now. We thank you for all that is familiar, comfortable and secure. And we offer to you anything that is strange or uncomfortable or worrying. We thank you for places that hold precious memories for us. Times and places, times and people long gone, special events full of joy. The aha moments when we understood something new. The experiences, however fleeting, of being in your presence. As we remember all that is good and beautiful and life-giving, As we celebrate the places that inspire us, we are also reminded of the vulnerability and fragility of the earth. For the times we have failed to treasure your generous gift of this planet, forgive us. For the ways we have plundered and exploited earth's resources, forgive us for our carelessness and ignorance that have contributed to climate chaos, forgive us. God of redemption and recreation, we thank you that you not only forgive us, you enable us to live life more fully. And so it is that in humility and faith, we join our voices with countless other other followers of Jesus in the prayer that he taught us.
1: Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy
4: will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Pass this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us.
5: Majestic is your name in all the earth. Mm. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained mm. praise, because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and ground him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 121 I lift up my
6: eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore.
5: Amen.
3: Where is God to be found? Are there places where God's presence is more strongly experienced? Are there God-forsaken places, places that God has rejected or abandoned, or from which God is somehow absent? Right from ancient times, these questions have been pondered by people of faith. Is it true, as the poet Dorothy Frances Gurney wrote, that you are closer to God in a garden than any place on earth? Or is God's presence more palpable within the hallowed walls of a cathedral? Were the Celts correct in identifying what they called thin places, where the gap between earth and heaven was barely discernible? Or is it the case that like Moses, climbing a hill or a mountain takes us nearer to God? Maybe with the mystics, we might ask whether actually God is to be found deep within our own souls. But that much certainly is for another day. What we can be sure of is that every place we experience, whether it's a natural place or it's humanly constructed, has its origins in God's good creative endeavour. And that no matter how flawed or broken it may be, it is capable of healing and recreation by Christ's gracious redemption. There is nowhere beyond the reach of God's love. Nowhere and nothing that God cannot redeem and recreate. Indeed, the scriptures remind us that at the end of time, God will renew or recreate everything. This morning, six people are going to share stories of places that are inspiring or significant in some way for them. Some will be places that have been visited many, many times over a lifetime and others places that have been, they have seen just once. Some of them are natural features and others are human constructions. In some places, God's presence has been actively sought or encountered and in others, not so much. But each of these stories is unique and precious. And as we listen to them, we're invited to be alert for anything that might spark within us a memory or a moment when we experienced something similar. For in all of this, God's spirit is active. I'm confident that we will enjoy the stories, the songs, the poems and the photos that will be shared with us. I'm also confident that as we open up our hearts and our minds to what is shared, we will find ourselves drawn into a fresh encounter with a God who is present with us in our homes, across the nation and around the world. And so I'm going to share my screen and in just a moment I will invite Graham to lead us in his reflection. So, Graham, over to you. In
6: 1945, I was just leaving school and happy to go straight to university because the government had opened university to 500 art students immediately after the war. And so my national service was delayed until 1948. After initial training in the RAF, I was invited to suggest where I would like. And I said Germany, because I was learning German, or north of England, because my family home was at Newcastle. They sent me to Lucas. I knew nothing much about Fife. St. Andrews as a golf center, and a strange smell in the air as you approached Kakodi because of linoleum. That was about it. But one November evening in 1948, I found myself beyond Edinburgh, which was a new thing for me, and on the way to Lucas. Yes, we got that smell at Kerkoddy, and in the darkness, I just had to imagine some of the surroundings. But we got to Lucas. I was welcomed there, and um, very soon, I began to be aware of my surroundings. I was only five miles from St. Andrews, and um, I was made very welcome at the Baptist church there with its gentle Shetland minister, Lawrence Scully, who was a good preacher. I could have gone to, I did frequently go to, Luca's parish church. It's a Norman foundation rather unusual inside but uh, and a good preacher there too when i uh, thought of other things i knew i remembered that my dad had said that a college friend of his was a minister at anstruther and he had three daughters I wrote to Hugh Mitchell, whom you see in the front of the photograph there much later on. And uh, he kindly suggested that I might go to the evening service there, the last of the year in 1948. I duly did that. And I had hoped and it was realized that I'd be invited up to the man's afterwards. And meet these daughters. I knew nothing about them before, age or occupation or whatever. Soon discovered that Barbara, the eldest, had a steady boyfriend and uh, was nursing at the West, was learning nursing at the Western in Glasgow. The youngest of the three was at primary school and very promising. Uh, and she back became ducks of Celladike primary and later um, Wade Academy at uh, Hanstra. But uh, I wondered if Margaret might perhaps be free to show me around a bit and welcome my interest. She was between leaving pre-nursing school at Dundee and starting to train at the West End. And in the meantime, her mum had been in hospital, and so Margaret was largely in charge of the house. Well, uh, it was pleasant to meet them all that evening, and uh, I soon found an opportunity to... Invite Margaret to come to the pictures at uh, St. Andrews. And uh, that was uh, easy for her, just 10 miles in the over-the-hill bus from Ainster to St. Andrews, and five miles in from me. I think I even travelled by train in those days. I'm not certain about that But So we went to the pictures once or twice, and the picture house had... Uh, stage and so there was some kind of organisation of actors that uh, stage an annual Gilbert and Sullivan so we arranged to go and see that and of course there was the town to get to know and Margaret was happy to show bits of that Uh, and then I saw advertised at the Bayer Theatre a play based on writings of Émile Zola. Now, I was learning French as well, and so anything to do with Zola ought to attract my attention. Would Margaret be free to join me, seeing that on the 1st of April? Um, yes she was and happy to come along but uh, not put off by the title of the play which was Thou Shalt Not um, April the 1st and Thou Shalt Not but uh, after remember that the buyer at that time was literally a buyer a cowshed there were about 36 places for spectators in that that place. I can't promise I remembered anything about the play itself, but I was probably acutely conscious that I was sitting beside Margaret. She was going to go back home by the Overhill bus, but that didn't run till 11.15, last bus. So we had time to spare. What shall we do? Oh, let's wander down towards the pier. And um, I knew that I had to put a critical question to Margaret at some time. And it was halfway down the pier that I said to her, um, do you have another boyfriend? Or, And she said, no. And I said, well, would you be my boyfriend then? And my girlfriend. And uh, so halfway down the pier at St. Andrews, we had a first embrace. And from that point onwards, that has been a very special place. The picture is Hugh Mitchell being wheeled by Margaret in the early 80s sometime. Um, He was staying with us by that time. And uh, I used many chances of seeing Margaret in that short period before she started at the Western. And we knew from the start that um, we couldn't, think about getting married until she had finished her training and i had finished mine that turned out to be in five years letters in that time and uh, sometimes i take pleasure in reading on ones that have been kept but uh, i wasn't forgotten and um, my colleague at The uh, Lucas, my medical colleague, sent me twice to Glasgow in those early days for an optical test, knowing as I had a girlfriend in uh, Glasgow, would be glad to. So I hope that was a worthwhile experience. And certainly, uh, we look back on the place with great pleasure.
1: Um, these two pictures are um, of Cairnsmore, of Fleet. I've lived in Newton-Stewart for 33 years, and wherever I have lived in this area, I've always been able to see Cairnsmore, of Fleet, from my house. It is part of the beautiful Galloway Hills, and rises almost from sea level to 2,300 feet. It does not have a dramatic outline, but it's special to me. It was the first hill I climbed with my eldest son, Colin. Later, my other two sons, Patrick and Aleph, also climbed it. Four years ago, my grandson, Joshua, at the age of seven, climbed it with myself and his uncle, Aleph, who afterwards awarded him a certificate to commemorate the occasion. I felt so proud of him. His younger brother, Tim, would have climbed it by now if the pandemic had not prevented him. I believe that on the top of a hill, you are nearer to God. So I would say Cairnsmore is my spiritual high place. And now I'd like to read you a poem I wrote about Cairnsmore some years ago. Cairnsmore, an 18-year unbroken relationship. You are constant, my beached whale. First winter snow dusting your plateau in early November. Surprising me with your parting flurries in May. A pink glow at sunset, veiled by wisps of gossamer cloud. Beaten gold sunrise glinting over your well back rim. The first hill I climbed in Galloway. I introduced you to my sons, and now they walk other hills with their long-legged graceful strides. Each morning when I arise, I seek you out. I thank the Lord for your constancy. Cloud covered and mysterious yesterday, clear today with mist smoking up your thighs.
7: I sing, take me back, take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. That's Andre Crouch's popular song. It's so popular in these parts, at least. Take me back to Sanders Beach, Nassau, New Providence, Bahamas, that archipelagic string of gems near the Atlantic. An idyllic morning. So early, I thought I had heard the cock crow, and mommy had to wake me and my slightly older sister, Marsha, to don white robes made out of bed sheets and head to Sanders Beach. I was around 11 years old, maybe. It's in the Temple Baptist Church records, I'm sure. A few months prior, I had what we say in Bahamian vernacular, gone up to the altar, that is. Today was the day. After a few weeks of baptismal classes, it was off to Sanders Beach, which incidentally is within walking distance from where I currently reside. I guess on an island that is 21 by seven, everything is within walking distance. I had, what did the pastor say? Accepted Christ in the pardon of my sins. And I quote, there was angst. Why? Because I couldn't swim. Had never been submerged in water. Neither did any of our merry convicted cohort of about some seven youngsters. Sleepy but excited was I. My child mind anticipated some sort of physical and mental transformation, you know? Something supernatural? A lingering seagull overhead, perhaps? Electrified body? My mind ran wild. I don't even remember how we got to the beach, but we were there. And one by one, Pastor Brown beckoned us into the water. It was my turn, and I serenely entered, albeit apprehensive, but I just knew that Pastor Brown wouldn't let me drown. He supported my back and gently lowered me beneath the still waters, and I stopped breathing for the moments. Then he gently lifted me above the crystal sea, turquoise, pristine sea. And all was well, and I felt so at peace and determined to be saint-like. And I remember smiling, and all was so well. But you know what was most memorable about my baptism at Ethereal Saunders Beach? Angie now called Sister Angie Moss. The first time Angie got lowered, she scrambled and jerked and clawed up and hollered, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, and frantically wiped her face, for she was beyond mortified at having her face placed below the water. Pastor lowered her a second time, oh Lordy, oh Jesus, again. And I remember Pastor then dunking her for perhaps less than a second, just so she could get through the ritual. There was a brief, oh Jesus, but the battle was over. Come see our wee cohort stifling the giggles and laughter at such a serious occasion. I don't remember the departure from Sanders Beach at all. But I do know that I went away determined to be a good person forever, whatever that means. Determined to continually invite folks into the fold. But passing Sander's Beach to this very day brings back thoughts of not only rebirth, but of our dear sister Angie and oh Jesus, oh Jesus.
8: I don't have one specific special place. My special place is the sea, especially where the sea meets the mountains or islands. I was fortunate to spend a great part of my childhood and early adult life living by the sea in Tenby and Llandudno. And Ian's first pastorate took us to South Sea. I have enjoyed many holidays in Scotland on Mull, Collins, Lewis, Shetland, Gerloch, to name just a few. And the thrill of glimpsing the first view of the sea is still as real today as when a child. Looking out in the distance to the horizon at the vastness of the oceans is amazing. Our God is awesome. Only he kept the sea inside its boundaries. I love to look out on the sea in any weather, The stormy, raging grey seas in windy weather are so exhilarating. It is energising to walk along the promenade in such conditions. It is a reminder, too, of how powerful our God is. In contrast, the gentle lap of the waves in calm seas bring a peacefulness. The stillness, the regular rhythm of the waves back and forth bring tranquility to a world of stress. In Psalm 46, verse 10, we read, Be still and know that I am God. In the storms of life and in the calm, peaceful times, God is there constantly. Many times I have prayed as I have walked along the shore in various states of mind, prayers of thanks, prayers of hope, prayers of anxiety and despair. But for me to stop and gaze out at the sea, especially when there are mountains or islands in view as well, and look on the beauty of the scene, fills my soul with peace. The blues and greens, or the dark grey of the location, match our experiences as we go through life. It is good to stop and be still, as Jesus commanded the waves in the storm on the Sea of Galilee, and to remember that God is there. Maybe that is why we have so many pictures of the sea in our home.
9: ago, Anne and I were on holiday in Tallinn in Estonia. Two of the places we visited left a deep impression. They inspired me, although perhaps not in the conventional way that a place might inspire you. This is a desk in a room on the top floor of a hotel in Tallinn. 30 years ago, this coming week, next week, in August 1991, the person using this desk left in a hurry, and so did all his colleagues. Other things were in the room. Here you can see lots of tape recorders and communications equipment. Rooms next door had sleeping and cooking areas. The desk and the rooms have been preserved exactly as they were 30 years ago. Why? Well, 30 years ago, Estonia was still within the Soviet Union, but there had been a coup in Moscow. The KGB agents who worked from these rooms, monitoring all the guests who stayed in the hotel, knew the game was up and fled Estonia. But nobody else knew the rooms were there. It was only years later when the hotel was being renovated that people asked what was in the mysterious top floor behind locked doors. This is what they found. This is what they preserved. This is what they use to remember. Two days later, eh, we walked into one of the main squares in Tallinn, and this is what we saw. The square was filled with a thousand balloons. It, It looked at first like a modern art installation, but it wasn't. It was there to mark something which took place 80 years ago last month. On the 14th of June in 1941 the Soviet Union in
0: <clears throat> the Soviet Union in an act of state terror deported 10,000 citizens from Estonia to exile and slavery in, in Siberia and other locations each balloon represented 10 persons. In the same month tens of thousands from Latvia and Lithuania suffered the same fate.
9: At one end of the square were two huge screens. Running throughout the day one screen, the one you can see here, constantly retold the story of this crime against humanity. The other screen slowly scrolled the names in alphabetical order of all who had been deported, many never to return. Today's citizens of Estonia watched in silence, waiting for the name of a family member to appear. This is what they do every year. This is what they keep in their hearts. This is what they do to remember. I came away from these paces inspired again by the resilience of the human spirit. I will not forget. We must not
6: forget.
10: Oh, that's hard to follow up. Thank you, Brian. Um, a, this is a rock formation called the Kuhstall in Germany. It's been an attraction in my home national park since the early 19th century. And it gets its name from the livestock that was hidden there during the wars um, or which took shelter there during the storms. For me, this is a place that reminds me of home and family and community. The first time my husband, Tom, visited Germany, he and I went up to the Kusta for a hike. Um, It's a great place to share a slice of my childhood, and I relish the times we go hiking as a family um, for good conversation, but also the inevitable silliness, as you could see earlier with my sisters. My church usually puts on a service once a year for hikers and to give thanks for God's beauty in nature my family and I would hike up there with friends and this top image you see here is like a cubbyhole where my best friend and I would watch the service from as long as we were able to fit into it that is. Um, I really treasure the sound of singing rising into the 11 meter high rock cupola um, which makes this kind of it's a natural cathedral really. On the other side of the cavern is a tiny crack with a ladder inside. It's called the Himmelsleiter or Heaven's Ladder, because as you climb it, all you can see is a tiny crack of sky above you. The ladder leads to the top of the cavern, to a plateau. And from there, you can see views across the entire Sandstone National Park. many ways, the Coastal is just one of a lot of similar places that I could have chosen in the National Park. as being my home and a reminder of my roots and my family.
4: dogs are being rather talkative today, so we'll see how this goes. But before I for- begin, we're going to be doing something new today. The prayer that I'll be praying today is based off a prayer called Reconciliation Soup by Oshida Moore. For those of you who love cooking, this will probably reach you at a deeper level than others because it uses the ingredients of chicken soup to reflect on peacemaking and reconciliation in our lives. Dear Lord, we come before you at a time where things are both exciting and stressful. With the promise of lifting COVID restrictions tomorrow, there are those who are excited and those who are terrified. Those who eagerly anticipate and those who dread. Those emotions, along with the stress and events of the past 20 months, can cause much division, much pain, and much hate to arise. Instead of answering to those emotions, Lord, help us instead to reconcile, to be peacemakers, and to make an environment that is nourishing to all. Prepare the chicken. Lord, just like raw chicken needs to be handled carefully so as not to injure or infect us, let us handle these delicate situations with grace and care. These times are full of possibilities to hurt and wound one another. As much as we would like, we cannot avoid handling these situations. In the spirit today, BMS World Mission encouraged us to pray for their church planters in Oshida, formerly Orisa in India as they regularly face violence and persecution. Lord, we pray for them to hold fast to you in your word with courage and enthusiasm. Help them and us to know how to respond to the raw emotions and cutting words of fear and pride with care. Then help us thoroughly wash every interaction in your grace. Dice the onion. Help us to embrace the tears that always accompany hurtful and difficult times. Shed or unshed, silent or voiced, they are indications of prayer, not our enemies. Help us to pray with childlike faith as we dice and measure the onions for the soup. Slice the carrots. Some say that eating carrots gives us good eyesight, If that's the case, then Jesus, help give us eyes to see the world and the people in it as you do. Those with us and those seemingly against us, our friends and our enemies, people who love us and people who have or will or are hurting us. You love all of them with an unfathomable love. Help us to do the same. Chop the celery. There are those, Lord, who don't like celery, it has a sharp taste, can seem overpowering, and doesn't at all seem nourishing. In fact, you can lose calories when you eat it. Take this seemingly useless ingredient, Lord, and turn it into something useful. Take the mundane, the situations that are too overwhelming, too powerful, too exhausting, and turn them into something that is life-giving, something that nourishes. Let it simmer with everything in your love and wisdom so we can create the necessary spaces for the sharp words and hard truths as we face these difficult situations. Let those spaces transform relationships just as the celery transforms a soup. Toss in any leftover veggies. Lord God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, Nothing is wasted in your economy, in your grand plan. Our fears, our tears, our questions, our prayers all add flavor, content, and substance to your kingdom, your plan. Take these seeming inadequate things, Lord, and use them to make a banquet of hope before us. Add the noodles. Lord, help us to remember that we are all intertwined, regardless of the distance that separates us. We are all attached to everyone in this planet within six degrees of knowing people. Let us not shy away from that, but rather embrace it. In that spirit, we lift up churches in the Baptist Union of Scotland, Irving Baptist Church, Islay Baptist Church, Johnston Baptist Church, and keslow Baptist Church. We also pray for Jenny Wilson, the General Director's PA. Bless their work as they continue to reach out and spread your word of hope, of healing in this broken and wounded world. We also pray for those in our Hillhead Baptist community. This week, we bring before you our Zoom tech team who work so hard to let us meet for services. We bring Betty, Graham, Ali and family, Lena and George, Talash, Yang Yang, and Spencer, Bayar and family, Christine who currently serves in France and Nicola and her family on Butte. Help us to surround each other and support each other Fulfilling the different roles in the body of Christ as our gifts and nature allow us. Bring to boil. I want to skip this step so much, Lord. Heat and pressure are never enjoyable, are never fun. But just as the ingredients won't change unless boiled, so we also won't change unless we are put under heat and pressure. It's those very things that permeate the hardness of the noodles and allow them to become flexible. Refine us in your fire, Lord Jesus. Help us to remember that even the most precious diamonds are only made under intense pressure. Help us to submit to this process so we can bring the warmth of wholeness and your kingdom come to this cold and shivering world. Simmer until the aroma of peace fills your kitchen and serve. As we go out from each other today, Lord, help us to be the chicken soup that those we touch need Help us to be the nourishment, the warmth, the healing that our community and world so desperately need. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
3: Just before I close in prayer, I'd like to give my thanks to those who have shared for us so generously this morning stories of love and loss, stories of places that are special for various reasons, stories that are inspiring to each one of us in our own faith and our own lives. And I'd also like to thank Rachel for cooking up such an amazing prayer for us this morning. So may the God of high mountain and wide ocean renew our energy for the adventure of faith. May the God of city square and sacred building inspire us to lives of service and compassion. May the God of hearth and home surround us with love, fill us with peace and sustain us with hope now and always. Amen.